I invite you to pray with me. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Listen to the word of God from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not pay, repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Upon their graduating from high school, our good friend, Kim Hibden, gifted both of our kids with Robert Fulgman's best-selling book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. This delightful book is filled with Fulgman's favorite observations written over the years that reveal simple truths about small lives with big meanings. Today, I would like to share with you one gem of wisdom out of a portion of the essay from which the title of this book derives. Its premise is simple, to consider those first lessons taught to us at the beginning of our education and to consider how the world might be improved if adults adhered to the same basic rules as children. So many things in our lives and world are based on the most basic of lessons we learned or should have learned as children, particularly in regard to how to care and get along with one another. All I really need to know about how to live and what to do and how to be, I learned in kindergarten. Wisdom was not at the top of the graduate school mountain, but there in the sand pile at Sunday school. These are the things I learned. Play fair. Don't hit people. 
Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. Flush. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and think some and draw and paint and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon. When you go out into the world, watch out for traffic. Hold hands and stick together. Fogman also says, take any one of those items and extrapolate it into adult terms and apply it to your family life or your work life or your government or your world, and it holds true and clear and firm. Think what a better world it would be if we all, the whole world, had cookies and milk about 3 o'clock every afternoon and then lay down with our blankies for a nap. Or if all governments had a basic policy to always put things back where they found them and to clean up their own mess. And it is still true, no matter how old you are, when you go out into the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. Fogman tells his readers to extrapolate his kindergarten lessons into adult terms. I believe a case could be made that today's scripture does just that. Paul was writing to Christians who were living in Rome. In his letter, he laid out for them the essentials for how the body of Christ um, is to live in community with one another. At the heart of those core values... Paul tells us is genuine love. Genuine love has two primary qualities, sincerity and discernment. If insincerity creeps in, love ceases to be love and becomes something distorted like manipulation, comp uh, competition, or pretense. Love must also be discerning. Paul commands, hate what is evil. When love encounters what is evil, it refuses to participate. Love doesn't embrace evil, nor does it merely look the other way. Love dares to confront someone doing evil, not to judge or intimidate, but to inspire righteousness. One theologian likens love to a river that is bounded on either side by sincerity and discernment. If either boundary breaks down, the river spills over its banks and causes terrible destruction. Having declared that love is guided by sincerity and discernment, Paul calls attention to eight additional qualities to help us express love in ways that others can experience it. First, Paul tells his readers that they are to be devoted to one another in love. Our love is to be characterized by the warm, affectionate devotion shared between members of a family. We are to honor others above ourselves, treating the feelings of others with care and respect, demonstrating gratitude for one another. 
Paul would have us love with enthusiasm and passion because no one wants to be loved passively or out of obligation. Patience is a facet of the type of love we are to extend to our brothers and sisters in Christ. When people can hope together, remain relentlessly devoted, devoted to one another and to Christ, and pray on one another's behalf, nothing can tear their community apart. Love isn't stingy. It freely shares whatever it has. Love gives even when it hurts and when the well is dry. Love continues to share in the need of another. Love is hospitable. Love takes the initiative, actively looking for opportunities to benefit others, especially those who are different. Paul tells us that love is gracious. Of all the qualities of love, this is undoubtedly the most difficult to carry out. Other qualities of love may fall by the wayside because we are busy or tired or, quite frankly, self-absorbed, but we typically don't resist them. Returning good for evil, on the other hand, goes against every natural instinct we possess. We are to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When love knows that a brother or sister is rejoicing, it cannot contain its excitement. Instead, it celebrates his or her joy. And with just as much empathy and passion, it grieves the loss of another as if it were its own. Paul ends his list of love qualities with humility. He says, Live in harmony with one another. Do not be arrogant. Associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. These four small phrases frame the picture of humility. And if you look closely enough, you will detect the image of Jesus Christ in them. Many a youth group or confirmation class are familiar with the word covenant. A covenant is an agreement, a pledge, or a promise. I know for a fact that Pastor Claire has had each confirmation class create a covenant at their retreat each year. The covenant is to guide them for their time spent together that year. Now, I was talking with Ellie one day, and she gave me some examples of their covenant with each other, what some of those um, covenant phrases might look like. Here are some examples you may see from a youth or confirmation class covenant. We will be open and respectful of what others have to share. We will be courteous and gracious to our classmates and teachers. We will be courteous and gracious while others are speaking and we will be kind and compassionate to everyone in the class, classmates and teachers. A group covenant would govern the class's behavior in word and action during the length of their course of study, and most often the foundation of each promise is love. Today's verse in Paul's letter to the Christians in Rome would function perfectly 
as a group covenant for any gathering community of faith. If we set the kindergarten list and the list from Paul's letter to the Romans side by side, each list would show that they are full of important attitudes and actions to strive for in the life of a community. Like Fulgman's kindergarten lessons function as the standards for the early childhood classroom, so Paul's words function as the structure and core values on which all ministries of the church and of individual Christians are built. Rochelle Stackhouse says in Feasting on the Word, churches often report that those who joined after a time of visiting did so because they found in the community a spirit that attracted them by its power of love and hospitality. Not just in the way the members treated visitors, but also in the way they treated each other. Churches are a practice field for living the covenant of, lo of love Paul describes. Whether we look at Robert Fulgman's wise words or the words of wisdom from Romans 12, live in harmony with one another, care about each other, love one another, no matter what, no matter where, no matter who. And when you live out this covenant of love, remember, it's best to hold hands and stick together. Amen.